This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. How are you this morning, Naz? Very well. How are you, Wally? A little bit shocked. Uh, I'm, I'm great. Thanks for asking. And... Uh, I'd have thought you'd be wearing leaf gear tonight, uh, this morning, sorry, uh, but uh, no, you're, you're, you're decked season. out in, uh, in Blue Jays stuff. Ready for baseball season. You're getting ready. Uh, certainly, yeah. uh, I guess spring training's on the go, and uh, the Jays still down in Dunedin? They, they haven't sure switched, are. have they? Yeah. Okay. One and one in the preseason. And uh, we'll certainly uh, start talking uh, baseball more so as the weather uh, changes in, uh, in, in the southern Ontario area. Area, but uh, there's uh, another team in the blue, in the blue and white, that uh, has been doing some great things in the last uh, in the last little while. I'm of course talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs, and interestingly enough, uh, the Raptors. If you pick up the uh, the um, the standings, they're in first place in their division. But the Leafs, Naz, um, they've they've been on a roll, thirteen 15 and two, and fifteen and two in the last seventeen. Yeah. Uh, best February apparently, however, in their history, ninth consecutive home win. Um, things are looking pretty good. Remember when we said back then, back about twenty games ago, that the Leafs are uh, waffling a bit, and I said they haven't played many home games, and they're going to make hay at home, and they have. They've really played well at home, and that's the difference, right? Think about this. We talked about this earlier. The Leafs are four points out a first place overall in the National Hockey League President's Trophy. That's certainly a rarefied atmosphere for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They haven't been in in, in that zone in a long time. Yeah, it's uh, been a long, long time. A long, long time. Anyways, uh, just let our listeners know uh, where we're going with the show today. Uh, obviously, we've got some Leaf talk, some Olympic talk, uh, some strange things happening in Ottawa that we need to chat about. Naz. Uh, shortly after the first break, we're going to talk to Argo legend Peter Martin. Peter, of course, linebacker of the great uh, late '60s, early '70s team, and we're gonna we we chatted about it very briefly last Sunday. That, of course, was the passing of Leo Cahill. Uh, I want to chat a little bit about those Argos teams and uh, bring back some uh, fond memories of some great times in in the Toronto uh, Argonaut history, uh, the Canadian Football League. And so we'll be chatting with Peter Martin. Uh, we had another guest lined up, but that fell through. So we're going to take some calls at the bottom of the hour. Uh, 
been a bit busy if last few weeks to take calls, but certainly like to hear from our listeners today. And uh, in the middle of the hour, we'll be giving out the number and uh, certainly want to hear from uh, from all our uh, fanatics, uh, sports fans. Uh, let's uh, we'd love to hear what's on your mind and uh, and anything sports wise that uh, that you want to chat about. So we'll be announcing the numbers in the middle of the show. Uh, Naz. Uh, Made the point just before I got into that uh, little diatribe that uh, the Leafs are within uh, shouting distance or within distance of first overall in the NHL. Give us give us a roundup on exactly where they stand. Well, they're four points behind Tampa Bay and I think three behind uh, Vegas. But uh, there's all sorts of games in hand. But still, they they've accomplished quite a bit at 83 points. And now they're playing without Austin Matthews, who has a separated shoulder. I'm pretty positive that's what he has. And a separated shoulder is usually four to six weeks, so I see about four to six weeks, which means playoff time, he'll be ready and uh, ready to go. Ready and rested. Yeah. Um, and uh, certainly last night, uh, the rest of the team picked up the slack. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, number 16, Mitch Marner is now the scoring leader on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And when he scores, I mean, this uh, this uh, combination of putting him on the line with Nazem Kadri certainly seems to have worked out for both Marner and Kadri. Last night, Marner, a goal and three assists. Kadri, two goals. Um, Marner played last night with Nylander, though. The, game, the games before, yeah. He, yeah. Uh, yeah correct. Yeah. Uh, he had a couple of uh, assists on, I guess they were power play. Uh, yeah. One of them was a yeah. power play goal. Yeah. A couple of assists on the Kadri goals. Um, Marner scores in bunches. Sure does. Uh, when, when he comes out to play, uh, um, you know, he's had a five-point game last night, a, a four-point game, uh, and he's he's gotten himself up to first Overall in the team, Nylander, you made the point, Naz, was very impressive last very, night. Very, very Highly impressive. skilled, highly sk- They gave him some time at center last night as well. Yeah. I was watching the game with my boys last night, and uh, one of them uh, brought up the fact that, could you, could you imagine Kapanen with Marner and Nylander, how quick that line would be? That would be an amazing line to put together. Kapanen's really impressed me, Wally. His speed is yeah. incredible. And his mo- movement of the puck, fantastic. Well, sir, at least we got something on that Phil Kessel uh, movement out of town. Uh, and people, and people who said the Leafs were one-trick pony with uh, Austin Matthews, think again. Not true. No, they, that's the impressive part about this team. Certainly, last night, and what I find impressive about the Toronto Maple Leafs, they have the ability to come back. Um, you know, they have a disturbing habit of getting themselves down sometimes early in games, but this team. Um, they have the ability to. They have the ability to rebound. Uh, I'm not sure there's a team with on on the top twelve forwards. I mean, they don't. You know, they don't have anybody up there with Malkin and Kucherov and uh, Johnny Gaudreau and those guys. Uh, Crosby. But and Crosby, they don't have. Uh, although there's no question that Austin Austin Matthews has the has the talent level to be amongst the uh, yeah. game's elite. Uh, for that matter, you can make the case for Marner and, and Nylander in terms of talent level. Um, whether those two guys, you know, they don't have obviously the physical presence that an Austin Matthews has. Uh, but they're certainly highly skilled and highly desirable. 1-12, um, 1-12 on the forward line 
is there any team in the NHL right now that's deeper than the Toronto Maple Leafs? No one. No one at all. The Leafs are the deepest team up front in the NHL. They're the youngest team, too, other than Marlowe, right? A pretty young team, too. Uh, And... Looking at the stats, they are there's only two teams right now that have scored more goals than the Toronto Maple Leafs, Tampa Bay and uh, Winnipeg, you, you I believe. Saying, you, you were saying Vegas. Oh, was it Vegas? Yeah, yeah. I think Vegas. Yeah. yeah, Vegas has more goals than the Leafs, and so does Tampa Bay. Vegas of all teams. And Winnipeg is slightly behind. Uh, certainly Winnipeg, uh, we were talking last week to uh, to Peter Mansbridge, and we were talking about a Winnipeg-Toronto Stanley Cup final. That would, that would certainly uh, uh, attract certain level of interest across this, this great country. That could be the great cup final, too, Winnipeg and Toronto. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Uh, we're uh, Leafs are. Uh, it's Sunday. Trade deadline is tomorrow afternoon at three p.m. And there are a bunch of guys that are rumored. Um, and I don't know if any of these fit into the Toronto Maple Leafs plans. But let's go over some of the names, Naz. Uh, Rick Nash. Nope. Evander Kane? No. Uh, Eric Carlson? No. Max Pacioretty? I'm going to... <laughs> Don't gonna, laugh on me on that no, one. No, never. <laughs> never? Okay. Just that... that, that, that that's that a ha- Pacioretty's that, a pretty good player. He's a pretty good player, but... The, even the, though he the plays for Montreal. Car- the Habs carver may not go over too yeah. well. Um, the one that seems to have popped up uh, this morning, in in some of the uh, some of the Twitter feeds and some of the articles, uh, appears to be headed out of town in Montreal as well as Thomas Placanish. An expensive proposition for him. Yeah, I just I just don't see I don't see where you fit him in this. And this is this is apparently Rick Nash is rumored to be headed Boston way. Uh, but Placanish just seems to be a repeat of players that they already have. I mean, he, I mean, he's a highly skilled player. But where, where do you fit him on this team? On this Leafs team, I, I, I like think you got to drop I, somebody out of the lineup to put. So what's the point, Wally? Why would you make a move at all? The team is gelled. It's playing well. It's young. It's well, <laughs> experienced in some cases. That's why you make the move, Nas. Um, and I'm not, you know, and you can go through history. There, there's very few trade deadline moves. I mean. When you make a move at a trade deadline, um, you got you got to think that you're a Stanley Cup contender, that you've got a legitimate shot at winning the Stanley Cup. Because most of these trades is you're filling in a piece. Uh, the other guy I wanted to talk to you is uh, Mike Green in Detroit. Apparently, he's up for rumor, but. Uh, I've never, I, honestly, I'm, I'm, I've never, I've never been a huge Mike Green fan. Luke He's great Warm. offensive defenseman, uh, you know but I like him because today's the day NHL. You can't play unless you can skate. Mike Green can skate. He can skate, and he's uh, he's good at moving the puck out. Former thirty goal scorer as a defenseman with Washington. Yeah, those days are gone. Wow. <laughs> The right-handed other, shot, speed coming. Yeah, the, out of the other kid that I've heard about that I I don't know much about. Perhaps you do, Naz. Luke. Glenn Denning. No, no, don't bring him. No, here. no. You, you'll be bringing uh, some bad, bad play here if you bring him, him here. Do you think the uh, and we, you know we can discuss this. We've got to go to break shortly. Um, there's going to be some moves made between now and three o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Uh, historically, 
Um, you know, you're looking to fill. You know, I at best at best I see the Leafs uh, trying to fill in a body or two, maybe a little bit of depth, uh, a depth guy uh, on defense. You know, the other guy, of course, is the Ranger defenseman uh, McDonough, McDonough um, who's been rumored coming to Toronto for a while. Um, you're trying to add a piece where you feel that you're that uh, you're you're exposed to a certain extent right now, and what do you got to give up? Usually, usually a guy like McDonough, or um, you know, he's 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 uh, he's a valuable piece. Um, you're looking at probably a first rounder and Kapanen. Uh, Would you do that? No, <laughs> you're looking at a first rounder, a prospect. And, and a player off the roster, and a player, uh, and 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 a bottom end roster guy, yeah. and and Kapanen, um basically comes down to Kapanen for McDonough. And your uh, your thoughts on that one, Ness? McDonough has one year left on his contract. Really good defenseman, four point seven five million. I'm iffy about it though. I'd rather you're big. Like a, that's because you're a big Kapanen fan. I'm a big. Uh, I'm a big fan of what the Leafs have done with their team, and I don't know if McDonough is the right answer. He could be, but um, I'm not so sure, Wally. I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it? No. Uh, the reason why is because Kapanen next year you got Van Riemsdyk that may not sign here, and you have Bozak who may not sign here, and Komarov may not sign here. There's three guys that, are, that they may lose. Kapanen fits right into that slot, so why get rid of him? doesn't make sense. I think they stay, stay the way they are. But it's certainly interesting between what happens between now and, uh, and uh, 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, and there's a story uh, Emanating out of Ottawa, which we'll uh, we'll chat about uh, later in the show. Um, some strange things happening in Ottawa, uh, Naz, and uh, I'm, we'll leave it at that. Uh, why don't we uh, Why don't we go to break, and we'll come back from the break with Peter Martin. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville unveiled the new Pizzaville app. Order your Pizzaville favorites right on your cell phone. Unlike other apps, with the Pizzaville app, you can also pay for your order. It's fast and secure. Unlike me half-brother Raul, who's slow and, since the accident with his elevator shoes, very insecure. Download your free Pizzaville app today from the Apple App Store or Google Play. There's an old saying... Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. 
This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. Live streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, former Toronto Argonaut and former Toronto Argonaut broadcaster for so many years, member of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, Peter Martin. Good morning, Peter. How are you this morning? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. For an old guy, I'm doing all right. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Peter. No problem. Uh, Of course, uh, we chatted a little bit the other day. Um, We want to chat a little bit. Uh, We didn't want to let it go. It was was certainly an era in Toronto sports history. I was going to say Toronto football history, Toronto sports history. That was sort of uh, has brings back incredibly fond memories for a lot of people. And of course, uh, that came into focus with the passing of Leo Cahill uh, last week. The late '60s and the '70s, Ke- uh, Leo uh, Leo was like the Pied Piper of uh, yeah. football in Toronto. Uh, tell us, uh, Peter, your your fo- your fond memories of Leo and what made him such a character. Well, you know, it was. I think how, how lucky I was sort of to be part of that. And when you think that, you know, what Leo came here in 67, and you look at what the Argos had done up to that point in time, they they hadn't been in the Grey Cup since 1952, right? And, and the team was really in disarray. And, you know, they had fired, Nobby Rakowski got fired in 64, and they brought in Bob Shaw, and he was there for a couple of years. And, I guess we were making a little bit of headway, but really not you know, heading in the right direction. And then Leo comes on the scene, and then there was just a gradual, you know, we just got better and better and better, and it culminated by going to the Grey Cup in, in 1971. And the city of Toronto was was really starved for, you know, a good football team. They were starved for a winning Argonaut football team. They hadn't had one for a while. and. And then, you know, we didn't have the Raptors and, you know, we didn't have the Blue Jays back then. So the Argos were really a big item in town. And, you know, when Leo came in, created the excitement, brought in some outstanding football players, the the fans jumped on the bandwagon. And it was really quite something to see the interest in, in Argonaut football just go right through the ceiling. The, the one the thing I remember about Leo Kale, Peter Hyatt's Nas. Uh, Peter, uh, the act of God. Remember that line? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, of course. That I mean, that if Leo had if Leo had a a problem, it was in the it worked both ways. I mean, he, he loved to talk, all right, and and you know he loved to sell tickets, and and you know he wanted the Argonauts to be on the on the sport page every day, and if there wasn't a story, he'd create a story. 
but you know when you start talking you got to be careful that you're not giving motivation to someone that you don't want to be motivated they're going to be motivated anyway you don't want to <laughs> give them a little extra juice and you know when you go into ottawa and they got rush jackson and ronnie stewart and bo scott and vic washington and all this sort of stuff you don't want to start talking about only an act that god's <laughs> going to keep us out of the great cup i mean you just don't want to say that and as it turned out, they just kicked our butts. It was ridiculous, um, that game in the mud and stuff like that. But but that was Leo. That's just the way it was. What about his days with the Toronto Rifles? I just barely remember the Rifles. Did you, do you remember him, Peter? Well, no, I, they were around. You know, they, I didn't. I never went to a game or anything, but he, uh, they came in with John Bassett, was the owner, I believe, at the time. And um, they, uh, you know, they... They were good to us in a way because Leo came over, and then also we got Tom Wilkinson from there too, right? And from that league, um, Ed Harrington had been with the Argos. He was playing for the Rifles. He came over and came back with us. And Don Jonas, I think, played in that Don league. Jonas. Tommy Bland. So there were a lot of players that uh, that were in that league that um, that came over and eventually played in the Canadian Football League. But they were the new guys on the uh, on the block, and they just. Uh, like a lot of football leagues over the years, just never got enough traction to make a go. Uh, we're talking to Peter Martin. Peter, uh, going back to those days, of course, you had an incredible bunch of characters on on and and, and if the CFL has lost something, it, it's lost the personal uh, personal connection to a certain mm-hmm. extent between the players and the fans. And you you had the care you had you uh you you had some you had some interesting guys on some of those yeah. teams and Leo was described as the character of characters. Yeah. Was there uh just to get a sense of Leo the dynamic between Leo and the players uh obviously uh you know sometimes uh sometimes you know, players on a team, they respect the coach, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't necessarily like him uh, mm-hmm. personally. Uh, was there a general, was there a, a, a true affection between between the players and Leo? What was the relationship between Leo and uh, and you guys? Well, you know, there, there, when you get that many players, and, and uh, they're all not going to like him. Right, I mean, I don't think there's anybody, any football team or any team, we can go down the roster and say that, you know, everybody on the team liked and loved Leo Cahill. Right? I don't think that would be, you could say that. But having said that, I mean, they respected him and he was a good coach and they played for him. Right, and uh, and that's part of the deal when you're a professional athlete. You don't necessarily have to like the coach; you just have to play for him. Right, and but having said that, the 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 guys, Leo was interesting in that. One time we had a, he liked to have meetings before games and so on and before practice and he'd he'd stand up at the front of the room and he'd put things on the blackboard and he would start talking about this that and the other thing and the one thing one night he said that he's put all the roster and all the guys up on the board and he said everybody in this rumor is a reject right <laughs> and he went through the roster and everybody everybody on this on the Argo team had been cut or released or traded. By, by somebody to Toronto, and he said, "I took you in." He said, "I brought you here." He said, "You're you're part of my group, right?" So that was that was kind of uh, the approach, and he was right that everybody, like I got cut by Ottawa, and Bill Simons had traded from BC, and so on. Everybody had come from somewhere else, and he'd put them together, and uh, I think the guys appreciated that, and they played for him. 
Uh, on, the one legacy, um, one, there's many legacies of Leo Cahill, obviously, but uh, when you think about Leo Cahill, what, what always pops out in my mind, his, his ability to source talent in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the guys he brought up here, uh, of course, Jim Stillwagon, who just passed away very recently. Yes. Um, Tim Anderson, uh, Corrigal. I think Corrigal uh, was, mm-hmm. a, was a Barry boy, wasn't he? Went to yep. Bowling yep. State. Mm-hmm. Kent uh, State. Uh, Kent State. Sorry, you're right, Naz. Or bowling. Well, was, was, uh, Corrigal went to Kent. He went to Kent State. Kent yeah. State. Now, he got drafted by the, mm-hmm. by the Cardinals in the NFL. Yeah. And, of course, it was Theismann. Mm-hmm. Um, just he just he managed to and you know some of these guys were first round draft picks yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, first of all, how was he uh, how was he able to do that? Uh, uh, and uh, t- how was he able to do that? Well, a couple things. Uh, there's when you look at some of the guys that came up, uh, the CFL didn't adhere to the rule that you had to wait for your class to graduate before you could pick them up and turn them professional. Like the NFL had that rule, right? Your class had to graduate before you could be drafted. Uh, the CFL didn't adhere to that. So they they go down and they would sign, they could sign some players before their class graduated. So Leon McQuay was one of those. Ron Mikulogic was one of them. And Noah Jackson fell into that category, right? They they came up here before their their class graduated at Tampa. So that was one thing. The other thing, too, and, and not to take anything away from Leo, but it was money. I mean, it's hard to believe that the Argos offered Joe Theismann more money than he was going to get paid in the NFL. Jim Stillwagon probably made more money in Toronto than he was going to make in Green Bay. Right? It's hard for us to believe that now, but that was the case back then. So it was a combination of recruiting and also having a good checkbook, right? which uh, allowed him to go and sign some of these guys. Uh, Peter, Leo is not in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And I have a theory of why he's not in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Um, I, I don't understand why. I, I mean, I certainly think, just based on just based on the collective memories, uh, positive memories of the fans of that era in Canadian Football League, he should be there. Is this because he is this because he tried with Johnny F. Bassett, the Toronto Northman? He tried no. to create a separate, uh, and he signed. Remember the incredible signing of Warfield, mm-hmm. Kick, and Zonka. Why? Yeah. I, I, I noticed you very quickly said no. Why is Leo not in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame? Well, that's a good question, and um, he has been considered. All right, and he hasn't been uh, put in. And my response to that would be that when you you look at the whole um, career, you look at the length of time that he's been in the room or in the league, there's no question from a Toronto point of view in the six or seven years that he was coaching here, he did some amazing things for the Toronto Argonaut football team uh, and brought them back to life. But I guess when, when you start putting people into the Hall of Fame, you have to think about the people that are already in there, all right? And you look at the people, if you go and take a look at the coaches that are in the, in the Hall of Fame right now, and then you put Leo's name up against them, how does he fare? Now, when you think of the Bob Obiloviches and the Don Matthews and the Bud Grants, uh, Wally Buonos, 
how does he how does he stack up against those people in six or seven years in a one loss one lost record? Uh, you know, did he win any great cups? Now, certainly, he revived football in in Toronto. But when you take a look at the other people that are in the hall and what they did and what they had to do to get there, does he deserve to be there? Well, well Peter, I, I think he does deserve to be there, but probably in, in the, the builders, builders category. In the builders ca- category for sure. There is a builders category, right, in the football mm-hmm. hall of fame. Mm-hmm. I think he belongs there. I don't think his coaching record was that great, but uh, he was an exciting guy. That's for sure. We, we he is big. Well, yeah, I, there's no, there's no denying that, and he would be in. He would be. He would be in the builders category. There's no question about that. But I'm just suggesting yeah. the reason you asked me why is yeah. he not in, right? Yeah. And I'm suggesting that uh, I'm not saying one way or the other whether he should or not be, but I'm just suggesting that when you look at the overall picture, you have to compare to other people. Like if you're Take it for, let's say you're talking about a, a player, okay? You're talking about a quarterback, okay? Whether a quarterback should be in the Hall of Fame. Who do you compare him to, right? Right? You look at all the great quarterbacks that have played in the league. You take a look at the greatest coaches in this league, the people who have made the greatest contribution to the Canadian Football League or to football. Does Leo stack up against those people? In the eyes of the people in Toronto, he probably does, but try to sell them in Edmonton and Winnipeg. Uh, Peter, what was he like in contract negotiations? <laughs> hmm? What was he like in contract negotiations? Did you have one with well, him? He, well, he... <laughs> <laughs> I know you he, did. That's he why did I asked everything. the like he, he would, um, you know, he would sign contracts and all this sort of thing. Well, you know, his negotiation was very simple. I mean, it, you'd get into negotiations and he'd say, uh, you know, the one time <laughs> I was holding out for some more money and, and um, he called me in and he... He said, uh, he said, you're married, aren't you, Pete? And I said, yeah. He said, how many kids you got? And I said, I got a couple. He said, uh, you're working? Yeah. He said, I'm teaching school at Port Credit. And you like your job? Oh, yeah, I like my job. He said, then he said, you, you wouldn't want me to trade you to Regina, would you? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I guess not. So anyway, that wasn't the, you know, I, 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 we didn't sign that particular day. But but uh, that was sort of the gist of the thing at that point in time. And, and uh, but you know, we're talking back in the time when, you know, the free agency wasn't what it is now. And, uh, you know, and you, and you were talking earlier, while you talked about the team we had in the 70s and or the late 60s and the or 70s. That the one thing now that you have in the CFL and is and and with free agency and so on is is the lack of identity with the players. I mean, the players aren't here long enough, are they, anymore, right? They, their players are moving around, they're in and out. The, the roster turnover is, is unbelievable from one year to the next. And if you go back and take a look at the roster and start looking at the roster the Argos had in 67, and then you look at the group that was in the Grey Cup in 71, there were a lot of people that had been there right from the get-go, and then you add a couple of guys every year, and but there was a core of people that the fans could relate to. Peter, wasn't there a rule in the Canadian Football League that uh, any American that came here after so many years became a yeah. Canadian? That's Why right. did they get rid of that? Because I think that's a positive thing of keeping <laughs> guys well, they, in the league. Yeah, yeah, they, if you, if you, yeah, if you played up here for five years, whatever, and took out your citizenship, then you could play as a Canadian. And uh, like Ronnie Lancaster, like Ronnie Lancaster played what nineteen years yeah. in the league, the quarterback, and he played his last few years. He played as a Canadian, all right. And uh, there are all kinds of other guys that did that. And it, if you were a Canadian, it didn't, 
you know, you didn't necessarily like it per se, because an American was really taking a Canadian's position on the roster, right? When you when you looked at it that way, in in the ratio, an American was taking a Canadian position, but. What it certainly did, it allowed you to hang on to an American player for a lot longer, right? And it helped, you know, with your roster. It helped the continuity of your roster. And also what it did, too, is it, it was a really an attractive thing that that Americans came up here that, you know, maybe weren't making quite as much money as you'd like to make, but get an opportunity to, to stay here, live here, get a citizenship, and uh, get involved in the community and never leave Canada. And a lot of them took advantage of that and stayed here. Yeah, there was a lot of guys that uh, ended up staying here. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure why they did that because I think that was a very positive, uh, positive. Well, I think thing. it was probably it was because of it. It, it was, <clears throat> it took Canadians. It took a spot from a Canadian, right? The ratio. So you really weren't. It made a, a joke of the ratio, really, because you weren't a Canadian. You were American, right? Yeah. When you look at it that from a ratio point of view. Yeah, I understand that part. Yeah, because the ratio is based on training, right? Basically, is what is based on training, yeah, and not nationality. So that that was one of the reasons why they got rid of it. We're talking to Peter Martin. Peter, uh, we're going to wrap it up, uh, okay. and I want to go back to, uh, and you know, I've talked about this. We've talked about this on the show a few times. There's there's a marvelous, marvelous. Uh, TSN documentary on the 71 team, the greatest team that never yep. won. Mm-hmm. And there's there's uh, there's a poignant moment in that documentary. Uh, and if our listeners, if, you, if you're interested, uh, if you search on the Internet, you can find it. I believe it's on iTunes. I downloaded it one time. Uh, there's a, a poignant moment. There was a reunion of the 71 team. Correct me if I'm wrong, Peter. I believe it was at your home. That's right. That's right. Uh, and there's a part in that where you guys are hanging around, um, you, you're downing a couple of pops, as Don Cherry would say, mm-hmm. uh, and Leo, who hasn't been in the best of health for the last 10, 15 years, from what I understand, uh, he comes up the stairs, uh-huh. and the camera gets the, the expression on his face and the expression on all of your faces, mm-hmm. and to me it was it was if not the highlight of that documentary. Uh, and it was just an incredible moment uh, where you guys, it's almost like you put those bonds back together. Describe it in, as best as you can. Yeah, well, it, it, it that part of it actually wasn't taken at my house. So the, Leo came in, he didn't come in the, the first day. The, the, the reunion lasted sort of three days, and he didn't come in until the Saturday. Uh, and... Um, and that was done downtown. I forget exactly where we were, but we were upstairs in this room, and we're getting ready to do some more shooting and so on and so forth. And nobody had seen Leo for the whole weekend, all right? So that was the first time we had seen him, and we knew he was coming, but that we weren't sure exactly, you know, when he was going to show up. And then, so we're there, and we're all chit-chatting, as you mentioned, and all of a sudden he, you know, he comes up, and his head sort of appears coming up the stairs and the look on his face. And and you're right, because, you know, a lot of people had not probably seen him since he'd left town, right? So it was like seeing somebody that you hadn't seen in 25, 30 years, right? 40 years. And and then all the memories, the memories were coming back anyway. And then when he sort of came up the stairs, it sort of kind of the weekend had sort of officially, that was kind of the official kickoff of the weekend. Leo had arrived, right? Anyways, Peter, it's uh, it's been a pleasure chatting. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your memories of Leo. It was a special time in Toronto sports history. Uh, great memories, never to yeah. be forgotten. Thanks so much, Peter. You're welcome, guys. Thanks so much, thanks, Peter, Peter Martin. Uh, yeah, when uh, you know when Leo passed last week, because as soon as I saw it on on Twitter, it's just uh, you know all those 
you know, we're getting at the age now, Naz. Uh, you know, all those memories flood back. I, I remember that act of God. <laughs> I think the I think the Argos beat uh, Ottawa in the first game, twenty three seven. Yeah. And he said, only an act of God will keep us from the Great Cup. And guess what? And they got it had Russ to Jackson them. came storming <laughs> game two. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a total you point. You think of the characters. It was a total point back uh, You then. think of Leon McQuay, Tricky Dicky Thornton, uh, you know. Jim some, Stillwagon. Stillwagon, some of these other guys. Uh, uh, Greg Barton. Remember, he was actually uh, Theismann and, and uh, Theismann and Barton shared the quarterbacking duties. That's right. That particular year. Mel Prophet. Uh, who, who uh, ended up becoming a broadcast, became uh, Argo's broadcaster afterwards. Yeah. And uh, these guys, uh, these guys certainly left a mark on the Toronto sporting scene. That story about him negotiating is fantastic, yeah. isn't it? Anyways, Leo Cahill, rest in peace, my friend. We'll be right back after the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with 24 slices for just $24. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams, or special ops units. Go, 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 go! Everybody down! So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. As promised earlier, we're going to take some calls uh, today. Uh, I'll give out those numbers you want to call in, chat some sports, whatever's on your mind, Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Raptors, uh, Tiger Woods, the Winter Olympics, the women's uh, women's hockey team, whatever's on your mind. Uh, we, the doping by the Russian curler. <laughs> we certainly love, uh, <laughs> love to chat with our listeners some sports today. Let me give you the numbers. 416-360-0740. Toll free, one 740 
416-360-0740. Once again, 416-360-0740. We'd love to hear uh we'd love to hear what you have to say. Naz, um we're just talking the Toronto Rifles, the, the old continent. Yeah, you were saying you need to. I mean, I'd love to find if there's any uh, any jer- any any old Toronto Rifle jerseys hanging around. Uh, we'd certainly uh, love to uh, get a check on eBay or uh, Kijiji, see if uh, any of these things exist. They played right across the street from us here at Landport Stadium, where our studio is right now. So you look out, and that's where the Rifles played. Toronto Rifles, and Toronto. You, you mentioned a name uh, from the past. Don Jonas. Don Jonas. Remember his commercials? Yeah, I remember the Molson commercials. And you can count on that. You can count on that. You can count on that, Don Jonas. Once again, those numbers 416 360 0740, 1 866 740 4740. Naz, I can't figure out what's going on in Ottawa with the Senators. Um, Ooh, boy. And I know, I know that Eugene, uh, Eugene Melnick's been a friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Um, uh, I just, I don't, I don't get the part about alienating your franchise player. Uh, in today's NHL, I just don't know how that makes any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. And uh, the story behind it is pretty bad from what I understand. His, the incident with him and uh, Carlson. I, I don't understand why they would do that. I Anyways, do that. we have uh, Kevin uh, Kevin from Buffalo on the line. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to the Melnick and Ottawa Senator and Carlson discussion. But, Kevin, good morning. How are you this morning, sir? Good morning, gentlemen, and a pleasure to speak with you. And wanted to just go over quickly a few topics and Going to begin with the CFL, did you happen to notice about a week ago in the transactions, uh, head coach June Jones brought in former Houston Oiler Jerry Glanville, who is going to be his assistant coach, and I thought that's going to really be an interesting pairing. Apparently, Jerry has worked with June Jones, and you, you have to give Hamilton credit. They're, they're, they're building a, a nice base, I, I believe. He did a pretty good job at the end of the season when he took over from, uh, from the previous coach. Uh, he, June Jones did a terrific job, and they could be there this year. Um, I, I'm sorry, Kevin. Uh, you had uh, something else you wanted to uh, chat about? Y- yes, sir. Please, and to, to wrap up, I wanted to just mention Sunday and to have Tiger Woods in the final round, and possible, with a little luck, he can be maybe in the top three. And, you know, it's amazing, and in closing, how he just adds that little excitement when you know he's in the final round on Sunday. And you gentlemen have a great week. Thanks so much, Kevin. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. A uh, couple of uh, couple of things uh, Kevin brought up, and let's, let's chat a little bit about it, Naz. Uh, June Jones, Jerry Glanville. Um, it's, there's always been this, I don't want to use the word criticism, but the adjustment factor for an American football coach to come up here who's never coached in the CFL before. Now, I, you know, I take it. Yeah, like, Jones has been an assistant. Yeah, jo- Jones, yeah. Uh, Glanville, um, 
Really has no That's CFL. That's a name in the past. Jerry Glanville. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where did time go? Uh, so, you know, June Jones has been around, and Glanville really has no CFL experience. Uh, Not really. And does that make a difference? Uh, helping him, I don't think it does as, as an assistant coach. June Jones seems to have a good handle on uh, the situation there. I think it'll be fine. Okay, and let's uh, the other point that Kevin uh, from Buffalo raised. Tiger Woods is uh, is in the hunt. I wouldn't say he's in the hunt. He's got a lot of uh, six shots out. He's six, six shots seven, out. Yeah. So he if he's going to pass all the all the players in front of him, he'd have to shoot the lights out today. I mean, he'd have to. And that's not an easy course. Um, 15, 16, and 17 the, on that course is deadly. The bear trap or whatever they call it. Yeah, uh, the bear trap. Um, but the positive aspect of, and Jim Nance brought, I was actually watching it yesterday afternoon, and Jim Nance and uh, Faldo brought it up. This is the first time Tiger Woods has been in the 60s. He shot, he shot a 69 yesterday. Uh, first time he's been in the 60s in over 900 days. So that's like, let's say, three years. Uh, yep. Math's a little bit off. But first time in the 60s, that, you know, um, that's pretty hard to believe, number one. But we made the point a few a few uh, weeks back when we talked to Matt Janella from the Golf Channel. We talked to Sean Clement. If Tiger can stay healthy, watch out. If he can stay healthy, uh, he's going to be he's going to be competing again. I mean, he may he, you know obviously because of his age, uh, he's never going to be able to dominate uh, the way he did in the in, for lack of a better term the old days. Uh, but nobody dominated golf uh, in the history of golf uh, the way Tiger did, where he had a run for about ten years, perhaps. The only other, I mean, if you're going to go, I, I don't want to go back into ancient history and talk about Byron Nelson and 11 straight tournaments in 1944, but in the modern era, I don't believe anybody's uh, dominated golf the way Tiger has. But uh, I see a winner. I see a winner. Yeah, he's, he should finish in the top 10. And if he does finish in the Today. top 10, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty well, good Well, I mean, you, know, you never know. I mean, he gets, he gets the flat stick working, uh, you know, gets his short game working, gets up and down out of the bunkers. You know, I, I could see a 65, 66 on the card, and that'll put him, that'll put him, it may not win it for him, but it'll put him in the thick I, of the I action. think you have to realize that it's two steps forward, one back, and as long as he can handle the back part, he's going to be fine. Yeah. He's going to be fine. And he's hit the ball really well. That's one thing I've noticed. He's, he's driven the ball very, very well this weekend. Anyways, Tom from Brampton. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Thank you, thank you for joining us. What's, uh, what's oh, on your Thanks for sport? having me. Uh, good morning to you people. Thanks so much. Well, what? I had to call in when uh, Kevin from Buffalo called in. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, there's only three of us that call in, him, myself. You guys are the only guys that have a way of getting through. Hey, what's, uh, what's on your mind this morning, Tom? Well, the Olympics. I okay. Got, uh, congrats to our men and women. They did great. Uh, congratulations to our hockey team. It took some of the sting out of not... Uh, the men or the women? Uh, the men. Okay. You know, I mean, there's people that are jumping up and down that said, well, we could have won it if we had our players from the NHL. But, you know, come on. You know, they won the uh, bronze medal. Uh, it took less than the sting of not getting the gold, you know. So I applaud those guys for not giving up. 
No question. The effort was there for the men's team and the women's team, too. The, the women's team uh, got unlucky on the on the player change with about six minutes left and gave up the breakaway. Hey, you know what? That, there's you know, the, they ahead, scored Nancy. and uh, the women did lose, but the women put up a good, great fight, too. It was it was pretty good. Anyways, Tom, uh, thanks for the call. We'll let you go, and uh, Naz and I will pick up the discussion. Thanks so much for joining okay. us, Tom. Bye-bye. Very appreciate it. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, the... Um, you know, there's women's team and men's team. Women's team, there's uh, obviously because we lost in the shootout, everybody started with this, we shouldn't settle games in a shootout. And it almost sounds like you're a sore loser. I give all the credit to the Americans. They uh, they won the game. Well, they, they were to win deserved the game. winners. They were um, um, I watched they're the probably a better hockey team. I watched the whole thing till two thirty yeah, in the morning. They're probably a better hockey team this go around. Uh, certainly, there wasn't much to choose between the two teams. And I'm going to say this, and I know we've got listeners in Western New York and uh, down as far as Pennsylvania, and it's, it's not sour grapes. Congratulations to the Americans; they absolutely deserved it. Those were the rules going in. Everybody knows them. But Naz, I hate a gold medal game. Or a seventh game of a Stanley Cup final being settled on a shootout. I just don't like it. Um, let them play. Let them play four on four. Let them play. Go down to three on three. Believe me, you go down to three on three, you'll settle this thing. Uh, to me, you know what? Let Keep playing four on four. Uh, they're not going to play forever. You're not going to go into a fifth overtime period playing four-on-four. Four. Come on, let's get serious. And if you go down to three-on-three, three, to me that's still a better way of settling a hockey game than a shootout. And there were some interesting quotes from the president of the International uh, Ice Hockey Federation, from Rennie F- uh, Fassell, who uh, there was a little, uh, to me it was just a little bit of tinge of sour grapes uh, he's basically, he, you know, he was asked this question at the press conference, and he says, "Well, Canada should just get better at shootouts," and and he made a, he made a, what I called um, a comment he he could have done without, where he's you know he said in soccer, uh, you know they they've been settling games and shootouts for years. Maybe North Americans don't understand this. And you know what? Give me a break, please. I, I think we understand hockey. There, you know, uh, you know, you don't have to compare it to soccer. Uh, I've been a proponent. You shouldn't settle soccer games on shootouts, but I get criticized for that. Um, well, they shouldn't. I agree. But uh, I thought that was a bit of sour grapes, but about the fact that the NHL didn't go to the Olympics. Okay, the men. Let's talk about the men. There was a front page in the Toronto Sun yesterday, something to the effect that it was a disaster that we lost to the Germans in 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 a semifinal game. Are you kidding me? I, I you know like I will start off by saying this. Congratulations to the men. Uh they represented us well in the bronze medal game. They didn't mail it in like the team did in 1998 when Gretzky and Lindros and those guys lost to Hashik and the Czechs. They mailed you're, you're basically di- mailed you're, you're it in. You're disagreeing with Don Cherry. Don Cherry was talking about that yesterday. What was he saying? He said that uh, they didn't mail it in. They outshot them 34-15 and got okay. And fair the enough. Czechoslovakian goalie was hot for the Slovakian uh, the, goalie. No, though was, I think they've lost to the Finns, didn't they? Uh, the, it was a game they eminently should have won. Yeah. Uh, so, but congrats to this Canadian team. 
they were deflated by losing to the Germans, but they came into the bronze medal game to win, and they won a bronze medal, and they should be proud of that. But any suggestion that this is a disaster for Canadian hockey? Are you nah. kidding me? This was a second, with, with the greatest respect, and I have the greatest respect for the Olympics and what they're trying to accomplish, and you know, we chat a little bit about it with Peter Mansbridge. The Olympics are important. It draws together the youth of the world. You know, it's, it's an important it's an important celebration. It's an important communication tool between countries and peoples. And, and, and for that reason, it's fantastic. But this was a second-rate hockey tournament. Let's call a spade a spade. Yeah, the there best, isn't the best one players can, weren't there. You know, best players. I can't see one of those Canadian. You pick the top five teams, uh, top five Canadian hockey teams, uh, and you can say this probably for all the other teams other than the the OAR or whatever they call them this year, the uh, Olympic athletes representing Russia. I mean, at least they had Kovalchuk and Datsuk, but every other team, uh, with the greatest respect, they wouldn't be the top one hundred in their country, and certainly not in Canada. Uh, name me one player on that Canadian team that it would have a shot at making one of the top five teams. If you put together the top players There's in Canada. There's not many that would make any NHL team. Well, really, if they, if the they could make an NHL team, they'd probably be in the NHL. Yeah. But, you know, having said that, you know, my compliments to them. They won a bronze medal. Yeah. That's an achievement. That's that's something they will remember the rest of their lives. Nobody can take that away from them. And it's the Olympic Games. Yeah, kudos to them. Good for them. For sure. They both they both played well, both the women and the men. The women got into a situation where uh, a tough situation on the line change where they gave up the breakaway. It happens. But it happens. You, you know, it happens. You're, you're and, playing. Uh, you know what? You're playing the Americans. They are. You know they've they've had the upper hand against Canada's women's team for the last. Other except, than the Olympic except games, for the Olympics, and I think one world championship in the past. Uh, yeah. Three. So they, you know, they've had the better of us. So they're, uh, you know, they, you know what, uh, they, they, they won the Olympic gold medal and they deserved it. Uh, but next time around, uh, you know, Rennie Fassell, you know, hockey's not soccer. Uh, please don't compare the two games. Uh, shootouts are for, or for regular season games. In a game of importance with the gold medal on the line or even a semifinal game for that matter or a bronze medal game, uh, you know what? Let them play till somebody scores. Fifteen fifteen of the players on the German team were trained in in Canada, Canada, the CHL, Canadian Hockey League. Fifteen of the Germans were trained on junior teams across the country. Just think about that. other uh, kudos to our Canadian athletes. Uh, tremendous performance all around. Uh, Ver- Tessa Virtue and Scott Moore, what can you say? Uh, 29 medals, if I'm not mistaken. Record haul. Yep. Uh, certainly we want to congratulate all our fabulous Canadian uh, athletes for representing our country proudly and made us proud. Uh, but honestly, Nez, this particular Olympic Games, I'll be honest with you, for a couple of different reasons, um, I can't say that I was passionate about them. It's just maybe it was the time change. I never knew when anything was on. I never knew if it was when I was going to find a live event or, or find a taped event. Yeah. Uh, and they got so many events nowadays. It's, I feel like time has passed me by. I can't keep track of all these different events that we, we, we didn't grow up we with. Gotta, we got to mention this, though. Yes. They, they're going to have a curling summit in Canada for sure now with the women and men not winning a medal. 
in uh, oh, that's you know, <laughs> that's I, a, I was I was yeah, go ahead. I was speaking to a couple of people about this. There's uh, Holman, the, uh, the uh, from the ladies, the women's team. She probably lost half a million dollars on that with endorsements. If she had won the gold medal with uh, the, her looks, let's be honest, she's a very good-looking woman. She would have had all sorts of commercials. She lost all that money. Um, very briefly, currently we've got 30 seconds left. I, it's, I, find, I thought the one area in the world that we still dominated, um, even more so than hockey, I, I just I, the fact that we did not win a medal in men, I mean, we won the gold medal in mixed, yeah. uh, which I didn't even know that was an event, but that's fine. Uh, but not winning a medal, not meddling women's or men's curling at the Olympic Games. Wow. Naz, last word. Uh, Lisa, approaching first place overall. Keep it up, boys. See the playoffs start in five weeks. It's been another great week on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. To all our listeners, thank you for listening. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Have a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.